Everybody, what's going on? My name is Rob Payone, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast, the show where we talk about everything related to the career journey and people function within the blockchain, crypto, and Web3 space. Today, I have a great guest on. It is Amy Kalnaki of Bitwave, a company producing finance and accounting software for the digital asset space. Amy is the COO and one of the co-founders of Bitwave. And this conversation touches a variety of topics around scaling a company through bear and bull cycles and how she and her team have approached that, building up over time, bootstrapping, a number of really interesting conversations around growing a team in this industry. Because as we all know, operating in the crypto space is about as interesting and challenging as any industry, potentially the most challenging industry to do so. And this conversation goes into some of the intricacies around that and how they've conceptualized building a team at Bitwave. Before we hop into that interview, if you are looking for your first or next opportunity within the crypto space, feel free to go to the link in the YouTube and podcast description, send in your resume if we have an opportunity for you, our team at Proof Talent will reach out to you. Alternatively, if you are hiring, if you are looking to strategically add talent to your team, please feel free to reach out. Link below in the YouTube and podcast description as well. Happy to have a chat about how Proof Talent works, how we can help you to grow your team. Now, let's hop into that interview. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to join the Proof Talent podcast. I really appreciate it. And one thing I'm, I'm interested really off the bat in is... Prior to the crypto space, you had a pretty extensive background in enterprise tech software as well. I would love to know kind of why and how you came to the determination to join this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, my background has primarily been in enterprise SaaS, B2B software. Um, I had a few jobs right out of college, but then primarily my my professional career has been in that. And I mean, I really love that space. And actually, that's how I arrived at Bitwave. So we, my co-founder and I both worked in the enterprise SaaS space, and we both love digital assets. And we asked ourselves, you know, when businesses, when enterprises start actually transacting in crypto, what will they need? And day one, they need tax, accounting, bookkeeping. You can't have an asset on your balance sheet if you're not tracking it. And so the answer to the question, what will businesses need from like a SaaS software was accounting for crypto. Um, I was attracted to crypto initially. You know, I heard about Bitcoin early on, personally got, you know, invested in it and excited about it in about 2016 timeframe. Uh, professionally, we started Bitwave in 2018. So that's when I I started working in the space. And the first use case that I really heard that just resonated with me was um, cross-border payments. When you think about how much people pay for things like Western Union, I mean, it's kind of like, it's crazy. It's almost criminal, I think. The 30, 40, 50, 60% to send money back home to another uh, country. When I heard about like a B2B peerless, you know, peer um uh, borderless payment option for for crypto. I was really really excited about it, and that's kind of what piqued my interest initially. But at the end of the day, I was generally excited about the opportunity to help rewire the whole financial system because so much of the tech that runs banks and really everything is at this point 20, 30 year old tech in the in the fintech space. A lot of the companies, the major players in the space, were all founded in the first dot-com boom or shortly thereafter. And so for me, digital assets uh, really 
was an exciting opportunity. Yeah, it's funny because the company, uh, you know, where what you built now with Bitwave. So prior to joining the crypto space, I joined similar time in 2018. Uh, I think February was the first and only like job besides proof of talent that I've had in, in crypto. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, I worked in software sales at NetSuite and Oracle. So <laughs> like the yeah. the finance and, and the accounting software space were were what I did before this. And uh, yeah. yeah, so it's funny to, to hear and see because I was trying to find for me a way to translate what I did at that point in time in 2018 to the crypto space. And it was very challenging for me because I just there was not a, a big demand for sales talent at that point in time. And so you went the the other route of, of founding a company. Right. Um, I'd love to to learn a little bit about like conceptually how you have gone about growing the Bitwave team, because obviously it's, it's much larger right now than, you know, than yeah. just you and your co-founder. Right. Um, how, how has that like conceptually happened over time since 2018? Yeah, I would say, you know, it was, it was methodical is a good way to, to put it. So I actually, prior to this company, my co-founder and I co-founded another uh, SaaS company that we ran from 2013 to 2016. Uh, we had two other co-founders at that company. And uh, we we grew that. We raised money. We did the whole VC thing right away. Um, all the stuff you're supposed to do. That company was great. It was eventually acquired by Cisco. Um, but then this time around, my co-founder and I were like, we're going to we're going to bootstrap this one. And that's what we did for the first few years. Um, it was just my co-founder and I working on it, um, self-funding the company. We waited for a while until we raised our seed round. Um, and so obviously like our employee count was, was very slow uh, because if you don't get that injection of VC capital, it's hard to really go out and hire a bunch of people. And so we added people slowly. Like I remember when we hired our first employee, second employee, when we were team up five, um, and so it it wasn't until we really raised first our C round and then closed our Series A that we we scaled the team. Um, but that was an intentional choice. If you think about the crypto market in 2018, there were businesses using crypto, and that was our vision. And both my co-founder and I are 100% bought in on that. Businesses will be transacting in digital assets for payments. Uh, NFTs, you know, you name it. I don't have to, to list out on, on this podcast the number of use cases that were a potential for businesses to use. But in 2018, the market size was not was not as big as it is now. And so that kind of slow growth and us developing as the B2B market developed, um, I think has been key to our success. That's it's a really interesting point because I think that in a lot of cases, that's been a problem for the industry has been the rapid yeah. advancement from, from a headcount perspective for, for some of these companies, maybe diving a little bit deeper into that. Was, was that just something that you had like that, that kind of slower, more intentional growth? Was that something that you had maybe learned from your previous company and made yeah. that determination early on? Or did you specifically look at this industry and say, no, we should just take it slower versus trying to raise as much money as possible and, and grow as fast as possible. It, it was a combination of both because we were a B2B player. Uh, that was, it was, you know, important to look at the market size, but it was also something we learned from our previous startup that really the best time to raise capital and deploy it is, um, you know, 
when the market is there and addressable. And so if you have any kind of concerns about the initial size of the market, now I'm talking in 2018, like the world is very, very different than it was in 2018. Yep. At this point, that's five years ago. Um, and so <laughs> it was both like looking at the market in the moment we were in um, and then just pulling on our um, past experience. From the initial points of of Bitwave, is there anything from a, a culture perspective that you feel like you did incredibly well to set the company up for success? Or maybe on the flip side, is there anything that you maybe would have changed from the early days that you know you feel like would have you know been been helpful a helpful contribution to the company? You know, uh, here at Bitwave, like everyone, all of our employees, everyone on the team is really passionate about digital assets, all different areas of digital assets. You know, we have our DeFi DGENs, we have our NFT collectors, just really across the board. Everyone um, in some way or another is really bought in to the whole vision of the world that could be created with, with crypto and, and digital assets. And I really think that that shared kind of mission and that shared excitement about the space has really brought our team together to help create a good sense of community and um, to build a product that um, our users and partners love. And so that was something that I think initially we just did because we were so excited about digital assets, but it's really become kind of a core tenant. Everyone just loves the space. And we really have this shared vision and vision to bring help bring digital assets to enterprises. And so- um, Is that something- Yeah. Sorry. No, I was ahead. gonna say, is that something that you- in in the interview process, like, do you look for that type of passion from an individual? How how have you kind of built that, built an organization that is so passionate internally about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes through. If you're applying for a job in the crypto space, you know, someone's probably going to ask you, like, what projects are you excited about? What drew you to it? And when I, you know, hear people, it doesn't matter what, what they're excited about, but when they talk about something that they're really interested in, it just ends up coming through in the interview process. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely, definitely true. And and something we seems to like resonate across the board with the organizations that that we talk to and, and, and work with is kind of looking for that in the, you know, in the interview process and kind of seeing that, that true kind of enjoyment. Yeah. When, when you talk about like that really engaged and interested group internally, like, is there anything you do to foster that when it comes to, I know you mentioned like the DeFi G gens and the NFT, like, is it, is it Slack channels? Is it, you know, yeah. Zoom meetings? Like, is there anything that, is it just like, team, you know, in-person team meetings? Like, how, how do you kind of foster that? I'm, I'm curious if so, there's anything that sticks out there. We're a decentralized work from home first company. We actually did so much growing during the pandemic. So if you think about it, I mentioned, you know, the first few years we didn't raise any money and um, we kind of hired slowly. And then we grew so much during lockdown uh, that it didn't make sense to limit to just hiring people, you know, in person. And so we kind of made the switch to be a work from home first company. And so, which has been great. It's allowed us to really hire the best talent, no matter what the geo is. Uh, and I think it's become a really important part of our, our company culture, that flexibility to be able to work from wherever you want. Uh, but that does mean we end up having a lot of Slack channels and everyone's on Slack all the time. And we have a lot of Zoom meetings uh, throughout the day. I think it's really important to, to have those kind of touch points that are 
um, that foster a sense of, you know, getting to know your, your coworkers and things like that. People are definitely posting stuff in Slack on things that they're exciting about, latest news, um, anything that's going on in the, the crypto space. And so, yeah, lots of, of Slack posts related to the industry and, and what's, what's happening. That's funny. Yeah, there's we have one or two Slack channels internally on our team. So we're we're also a remote team. And so we have one channel that's specifically like very crypto related. And then shout out to one of the folks on my team, Julia, who created like a water cooler weekly talk that yeah. is just on Zoom specifically where the team gets together and talks about something like non-work related. And I think that's been that's been kind of cool because 99% of the time it is you know, something related to related to work. So having that kind of get to know you time that you might have at an office, but not in a remote setting is, is kind of interesting and fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we have a Slack channel that's like good news in the crypto industry. And we have a Slack channel that's bad news in the crypto industry. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> Bad news might have been busy in 2023 yeah, and, and yeah, the latter parts of 2022, but we're we're maybe back. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess going going to that point, it's it's a little bit of a veer off, but you know, thinking about just the the space right now, obviously, don't need to talk about that for this entire podcast. But from a good news perspective, obviously, you're an operator in the space who works with a number of different companies and you know, kind of across a number of subsets of the industries. What type of good news has you most excited right now in the latter end of 2023, maybe looking towards 2024? Like what's what's got you excited to continue building in this space? Yeah. You know, I look at things like regulation. I think that it, any regulation is good because businesses don't like to operate in gray areas. Um, all the folks we work with, obviously, they've purchased a digital asset finance platform for their accounting, bookkeeping, tax tracking. These are businesses that are keeping good financial records and doing their utmost to stay compliant. And so any regulation, even ones that maybe are not as favorable, I think is a good thing because the worst is just everyone kind of being in this limbo state and not understanding the, like the guidance. So clear guidance, anytime we get clear guidance makes me really optimistic because we'll see more businesses, more web two and original like old school corporations moving into the space. If they're hesitant right now is because they don't fully understand the rules. And so in my opinion, any rules is a positive sign, even if maybe some of them need to be adjusted to the, the crypto space. But so long as we get some clear regulation in the U.S., um, I think that's a very positive sign. That's, yeah, it's especially from from your kind of end of, yeah. of the space you're operating in. I think that that definitely makes a definitely makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, as as Bitwave continues to to grow. What are the like areas of the industry that you've concentrated on the most? I'm curious, like where your kind of customer base is and, and maybe some areas where you didn't necessarily anticipate in 2018 that a customer base would be there and, and maybe has developed in the future. Yeah. You know, we really work with businesses of all types. To be a Bitwave customer, all you need to be is a business that has transacted or touched digital assets in some ways. And so initially, if you think about like 2018, a lot of those businesses were miners, like Bitcoin miners was a really um, first kind of mover in the space um, because they were, they have expenses for mining their Bitcoin electricity, and then they have revenue that they need to recognize in a digital asset. 
you know, the Bitcoin that they mine. And so initially we work with companies kind of like that. And then now we work with businesses of all type. Um, one area I think is really exciting is the blockchain gaming space, Web3 Games um, and the tokenized assets in games. It's a huge use case that I don't think was an initially obvious to me back in 2018. Um, so we partner, we're part of an organization called the Blockchain Game Alliance. It's an international group just helping to foster um, game developers to build uh, web free elements into their games. And uh, it's exciting to see the various projects that, that people are going on. Uh, I think payments is another really exciting use case that's been kind of one that's happened. We've always accepted payments in digital assets and um, use our own tool to recognize that revenue. Uh, but I've been really excited to see the diversity of businesses that end up uh, wanting to send payments or receive um, payment in a digital asset. And so, yeah, I mean, really across the board, we work with small businesses all the way up to the largest publicly traded uh, companies and financial institutions in the, in the space. And uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, that's, it's the, the way the use cases evolve in the crypto space, I think is kind of fascinating in, in a lot of respects because there's so many of these like hype cycles and then it takes time for things to materially develop. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you probably see things at a very interesting angle because obviously, you know, you're in, in the kind of more B2B space and, and, and commercially driven and, and actually kind of seeing where like, you know, where, where people are spending money and where, and, and where they're actually kind of involved in, you know, in this, this commerce within, within the industry. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be fun to watch those kind of play out in, in real time and see where things are, are actually happening versus kind of what the you know, hive mind might be talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between a bear and bull market is you really can see the core use cases as opposed to, you know, just everyone's excited about, about everything. And so, you know, focusing in on, on folks that have practical um, like use cases that, that help with things like marginal efficiency in their finance um, orgs is it's really, really exciting. Speaking of like bear and bull markets, yeah. I'm curious as somebody now who has you know, managed a, a company through multiple bull and, and bear markets at this point in time, now as, as the COO of an organization and as kind of like a, you know, a, a chief operator there, yeah. like, does that change the way, does the, the fluctuations of the industry, does that change the way in which you approach scaling the business or kind of approach the business in general with just how volatile this industry can be? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're a B2B product, so we're insulated a bit more than, than folks in the space who are really uh, focused in on individual investors, retail traders, and, and things like that. Because at the end of the day, businesses still have to close their books. Like They still have financial reporting obligations. They still have investors that they have to give metrics to. Um, so in a sense, like we're able to be a little bit... Um, separate from the ups and downs of the market, but I mean, it affects the whole, the whole industry. And so my, my philosophy is kind of what I mentioned at the beginning, like a sustained growth is um, like a healthy growth for a, a startup. And so mm -hmm. making sure that you're being really thoughtful about where you're deploying your, um, your resources uh, all along, not just in a, 
you know, down market, but also in the up market to make sure that you have a good long-term plan. Because really, I'm a big believer that we are still in early days. And so um, trying to take a longer term view of of everything when you're building a company is important to have a long-term strategy and uh, anticipate the ups and downs that are going to come with a new industry. Is is there anything you do internally from a communication or management standpoint? Because I feel like there are some sometimes where like somebody like myself or yourself who's been in the industry for a while and has seen the ups and downs, we're kind of used to it and, and expect it in some manners. But let's say, you know, somebody you hired in 2022 or 2020, excuse me, 2021 that may have come from another industry that is I guess for a better better lack of a word, a normal industry um, <laughs> is not as used to maybe these types of like fluctuations, even if they're not necessarily internal. But when you open up the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg or the New York Times and you're seeing all this like negative press about the industry you've now chosen to work in, is that something that you've had to to deal with and yeah. just kind of like talk to people about these yeah. ups and downs? Yeah, of course. Like we've addressed the the major market moves on um, like our team all hands and make sure that our employees and everyone know that, you know, your managers and my co-founder and I are here to talk and chat if they ever have any kind of real concerns, or I know a lot of our employees are personally invested. And so sometimes um, the big market movements can, can affect people really a lot. And so we try to make sure that, you know, we, we always have those open line of communications and that everyone feels really comfortable chatting if, if they have something major going on or if there's something major going on in the in the industry. Yeah, that's uh it's it's such a interesting industry sometimes and I feel like it translates into different things that you wouldn't necessarily think about. And that's that's one thing that kind of always cracks me up a little bit. Um yeah, thinking just about the community of, of customers that, yeah. that you have, again, it's kind of a, across these different like areas within, within the industry. Like you said, it's everything from mining companies to yeah. uh, more like game fi companies oh, in the yeah. space. Um, how, how have you engaged with those folks over time? And, and maybe yeah. like, how has that changed since, since the early days? Yeah. Our customers, our users, our partners, we love them. We have an amazing BitWave community um, of folks who, who we work with. And yeah, miners, GameFi, but exchanges, platform protocols themselves, you know, DeFi protocols, DEXs, I mean, the wide range. And those are just the companies that end up using our product. We also have bookkeepers, outsourced accountants, outsourced CFOs, large accounting firms, boutique accounting firms that focus specifically on digital asset and crypto accounting. Um, So we have a wide range of businesses that we work with, but then we also have a wide range of partners that we work with. And then we have a full integration partner network as well. You mentioned you were at at Oracle NetSuite. Um, We work with them really closely as with QuickBooks and Zero and Sage and the other ERPs in the space. And so um, we love, we love our community of users. And at the, you know, I mentioned earlier that we always look for people who are really passionate about uh, digital assets and they kind of, our, our users end up being really passionate about digital asset accounting. And I think that that's kind of an emergent property of being in a space that is developing. And where things like I mentioned, new regulations and new guidance from FASB or um, different accounting standards boards, 
they're coming out all of the all of the time. So we have a Slack channel internally, of course, but we actually have a community Slack channel where people are messaging each other all the time about various different industry news and features in Bitwave. And so we definitely try to foster users. We have a, a, a to communicate with each other and discuss things. And they're really excited about it too, because you know they want to learn from each other. Um, accountants and finance folks in the space have a tough job. Like this is, a, crypto accounting is not easy. And um, so it's just having a place for everyone to kind of share stories and, and talk about what they're doing, I think is really, really important. We um, actually host a conference every year called the Enterprise Digital Asset Summit. And it's every spring in person. And we bring together couple hundred um, folks in the space, anyone who's working in kind of crypto finance and the, you know, back office operations, accounting space. And it's just amazing to see our, our community of partners and users and um, thought leaders come together and they're all commiserating about the same thing. And, and it's, it's really, really exciting um, to be a a part of that. And we have a customer advisory board that we work with folks to really get user feedback. Our users are so passionate. They like give us feedback. They give us product <laughs> update suggestions. They tell us what reports we need to add. It's amazing. I've never, um, like, I feel so lucky. We love our partners and our users and our customers. And they have been honestly a huge asset to tip it. We've been we really, really appreciate it. And um, we have a certification program and people actually can get a Bitwave shirt if they, they do their certification. And then sometimes <laughs> we'll get on calls and folks are wearing it and it's like makes me so happy i i love our our i that, love our team awesome. i'm so proud of the company that we've built um and our our team and i'm so proud of our, our user group and our base of, of of customers one of the things that i've seen and it's not in necessarily the financial the accounting field but i think maybe you could speak to and, and translates to it um, but one of the things like we've worked on a fair amount of legal roles uh at proof of talent where it's a chief legal officer or general counsel or, you know, whatever it might be. And in talking to a lot of those folks that are coming from kind of whether big law or they're working in-house in a more traditional field, I feel like there's a lot of intellectual curiosity from the legal profession because yeah. this is a space where maybe like not all of the laws are black and white yet. And there's a little bit more room to be intellectually curious about what is, is happening do you find that to also be the case right now for like the accounting and finance profession as it relates to digital assets? Hundred percent, hundred percent. There, the guidance is interpreted by different people in different ways. Um, different accountants <laughs> take different opinions. Different CPAs do. Different tax advisors on various things. And so, absolutely, the the professionals in this space. Um, it's really exciting for people to be able to you know have opinions and state their opinions and. Um, yeah, no, that's a hundred percent the same thing uh, on the tax advisor and CPA side, which that's what makes it fun and exciting. And like I'm saying, yeah. fosters a really great sense of community. We're on a lot of professional working groups as well. There's one called like the um, Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, Crypto UK. There are a lot of these networks and groups where professionals get together and just discuss the latest and and people love it because they do get to kind of form their own opinion sometimes and offer their own technical accounting positions. And yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough space, but for the right type of, of person, um, it is great because people think accounting is boring. Accounting is not boring in general, in my opinion, but certainly crypto accounting is not boring. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of opportunity to, to be curious and to learn and to grow. 
Yeah, that's my sister is an accountant. I could not do it. Um, <laughs> that would put my brain in a pretzel, especially <laughs> in this space. And that's why I just download a bunch of reports and give it to my accountant and say, hey, buddy, figure this out, please. And yeah. thank you. <laughs> and that's that's about the extent of, of my accounting skill outside of QuickBooks, I guess, with the business. But yep. running a recruiting firm and doing accounting in QuickBooks is a lot easier than doing personal crypto accounting because it's just... <laughs> It's it's tough. Yeah. Between the exchanges and the on-chain and the off-chain and oh yeah, God, it's a lot. Absolutely. So then imagine that at the scale of a business as a, of a large enterprise. So I mean it quickly becomes untenable to manage without melt my brain. <laughs> yep. That's the problem we solve here. <laughs> one one thing I, I saw recently and, and you had mentioned doing some some events, and I think mm-hmm. I saw that you were having a a digital event. And I also saw it was kind of similar to when I worked at NetSuite, they they did a number of different like events where you got, I think it was like the CPA or the CPE credits. Exactly. Um, looks like you have an event coming up. What's, uh, what's, what's that, uh, what's that about? And, and, and how could people find out more about that? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that we host every year an in-person conference in the spring. So in September, we're actually hosting a, a half day virtual, uh, online version of it. We're calling it EDAS virtual enterprise digital asset summit. And you're right. Um, if you're a CPA and you're still looking for some of your CPE or continuing education credits, um, you can join and get CPE, uh, hours for some of the panels and discussions that will be happening. It'll be all the latest in the industry, guidance, tools, tips, and tricks, um, just all the all the relevant kind of Bitwave. We do a lot of thought leadership content and educational content um, at Bitwave for all the reasons we've been discussing. But the industry is so new, and there's so much... Um, it's still being decided and that people have to learn. Um, so September 14th, 1 p.m. Eastern, half day free virtual summit um, to see all the latest and, and knock out some of those uh, CPE credit requirements. So there'll be some networking time, like I mentioned, our community of, of users. Um, so there'll be some time to for partners and customers to, to connect with each other. And then, of course, the wonderful expert-led panels and uh, discussion of digital asset finance. So September 14th online, you can go to Bitwave's website or blog or look to our, our LinkedIn um, and uh, or just drop us a note on the chat. We'll make sure to get you the link to, to sign up for and have the Zoom information. Yeah, I'll definitely put a link in the YouTube and podcast description. So if you're listening right now and want to attend that, I'll put a link below for you to check that out. Um, Usually when I end off, I'll ask about something you think is interesting right now in the industry, but I think even taking that a step further, I'd love to hear, because we've you know been, been talking a lot specifically about like Bitwave and, and the finance and accounting space, like what is to you right now the most interesting topic within the finance and accounting space in, as it relates to digital assets? Is there anything, whether it's a topic that you're speaking about at your digital asset summit or Anything in particular, like any any topic that's that that's come up recently for you that's that's fascinating to you? Yeah, I, there is. Recently, the IRS gave some guidance on when they re they defined what a broker is, um, and there were some things that were pretty pretty clear and expected. Um, things like Coinbase or Binance, you know, trading platforms are considered a broker. Um, something people in the industry were kind of worried about before was whether miners, because they facilitate on-chain activity, if they would be considered a broker under these new rules, but the IRS like carved them out 
explicitly. So anyone doing any sort of validation of on-chain transactions um, would not be included in the new definition of broker. But what was unclear, oh, um, uh, custodial wallets um, mm -hmm. are considered brokers only if they have um, exchange you know, uh, options. So hosted wallet providers, if there is some sort of exchange elements like Coinbase Prime or Firebox, you can. Um, they have brokerage capabilities, so they would be a broker mm -hmm. too. But the big question that I think is super interesting um, that was not clearly defined um, is a DEX. So is a DEX or yep. like Kirkpool or something like that, you know, is that a broker um, under the new definition? I mean, certainly you can trade. So I would, I think so, but um, you know, lending pools, I don't know. So DEXs, it wasn't as, as clear as some of the other things I mentioned on if they were officially defined as a broker. So I think people will be discussing that and debating that. Um, and those new rules go mostly into effect into, in 2025 with reporting from 2024 activity, some in 2026. Uh, so we'll probably see more clarification eventually, but I think people will be kind of discussing and, and debating exactly what type of DEXs in DeFi fall under that broker definition? Yeah, I saw I saw some conversation, I guess it was that maybe last week or two weeks ago, something pretty recently where I saw some people saying that having some some hot takes on that about DEXs now being required to send out 1099s or some yes. something along those lines. I, I don't really know. Exactly. Um, what it is. I mean, I'll, I'll reserve judgment yeah. for the smarter people than me like yourself. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I think people will be discussing that a lot, a lot of hot takes on that one. <laughs> but like I said, yeah, for sure. any guidance helps businesses, in my opinion, because it adds clarity. It gives people, a, you know, a, a rule book to follow and businesses want to be compliant because um, go to jail if you're not. So people, will, I think, want <laughs> guidance and they want clarity. And so any sort of guidance from different authorities and standards boards is ultimately a, a net positive for the industry. <laughs> it's true. It's best not to end up in a cell with Sam and in, in Brooklyn. I'm going to try to avoid that as best as possible. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much for the time, Amy. It was yeah, it was, it was awesome to learn. Uh, I really yeah yeah it was it was you know really really great to learn about you know, how you've scaled the company as well as. I think like the community element, because that frankly, like wasn't something that I really thought of. Like when I think B2B, I don't necessarily think community, but understanding all the different avenues in which and like the different kind of users that you work with along the way, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that.